This program is made possible by the members and donors to the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Majority Report, The Rachel Maddow Show, A Best of the Left Activism Update, Jim Hightower, The Onion Radio News, The Young Turks, and The Progressive. And a note for our more sensitive listeners, this episode contains Republican hypocrisy regarding guns. Are you ready for this? This is just wonderful. The Tampa City Council on Thursday said they would ask Florida Governor Rick Scott to ban firearms outside the Republican National Convention this year. Now, I have no doubt we should hear from the NRA and every single teabagger should be out there right now. They should bring firearms that Republican National Convention should be full of firearms. There should be firearms outside of the convention. There should be firearms inside that convention because that is the epicenter of freedom in this country. And if there's one place that we're going to prevent President Obama from getting his hands on our guns, it should be in the Republican National Convention Hall and just outside of it. In fact, I think that we should have a 25-mile perimeter radius around the Republican National Convention where you're allowed to carry bazookas, where you're allowed to carry automatic weaponry. That should go without saying. You're allowed to bring in mechanized, weaponized vehicles to show this country what freedom is all about. If there's any Republican out there who's going to act like some type of rhino and have one moment of not supporting full gun rights in the RNC halls in Tampa and in the streets around Tampa, you should be kicked out of the party immediately. I want every single member. You should, in fact, Republican National uh, Convention, they should be giving out gift bags with guns in it. Loaded guns that people should be able to have in that convention. Otherwise, we'll know our freedom is being taken from us. Not in this country. If Tampa City Council has a problem with the RNC having guns in and outside the convention, well, then the Tampa City Council can just move to Russia. And they say we want freedom long ago at the rising sun, but the fighting still goes on. For the freedom to decide Who's wrong and who is right And I know this constant struggle Go on Till we get freedom From the barrel of a gun Till we get freedom From the barrel of a gun Guns. Guns at the Republican National Convention this summer. Uh, after a national outcry or rather, after a rare combination of national worry and national laughter, <laughs> the city of Tampa, Florida has decided that uh, not just squirt guns, not just sticks, but also real guns, loaded weapons, will be banned from the Republican National Convention this summer. Tampa has realized it's a little weird uh, to not ban something that might be used as a weapon, um, uh, but but to, to ban not ban actual weapons, right? And they have decided to ban loaded firearms from the Republican Convention. Is that true or is that false? True. The mayor of the city of Tampa, himself a holder of a concealed gun permit, um, has written to the governor of Florida and asked for a temporary override of the Florida state laws uh, so that you can, so that Tampa would be allowed to ban the carrying of guns in downtown Tampa during the convention. Uh, that happened. That is true. But then the governor of Florida looked at the request and said no. Quoting Governor Rick Scott of Florida, he said, Like you, I share the concern that violent anti-government protests or other civil unrest can pose dangers, but it is unclear how disarming law-abiding citizens would better protect them from the dangers and threats posed by those who would flout the law. It is at just such times that the constitutional right to self-defense is most precious and must be protected from government overreach. So yes, it is true that city government in Tampa asked if they could please ban guns in downtown Tampa during the convention. Uh, Governor Rick Scott said no. 
So all you people who might have an interest in protesting at the Republican National Convention, you can feel safer now knowing that there might be guns all around you that you cannot see and that the police don't know are there. Feel better? Here by my side, you are destruction. Here by my side, a new color to paint the world. Never turn your back on it. Never turn your back on it again. Here by my side, it's heaven. Welcome to Best of the Left Activism Update. My name is Lauren. I'm the activism czar for bestoftheleft.com. Over the past few weeks, there's been a lot of talk about equal rights and gay marriage. Last time, we discussed a way to show your support at the state legislative level through equalityfederation.org. But today, we're going to shake things up. It's June, and that means it's Pride Month in many places around the country. Whether you identify as LGBTQ or you're an ally to the community, getting involved with Pride is an important way to actively show your support for queer rights. Pride is a political act and a celebration of diversity. From the historical Stonewall riot roots, to the fight for AIDS awareness, to the global fight to legitimize equal civil rights under the law. Taking to the streets in peaceful solidarity remains the best way to reclaim space and demand change. Whether you help organize and volunteer, march, or simply come out for the festivities, your presence makes a huge difference. There is strength in numbers. So here's what we can do. Centerlink, found at lgbtcenters.org, is a nonprofit coalition which exists to support the development of strong, sustainable LGBT community centers while building a unified center movement. Centerlink is also a wonderful tool to find LGBTQ-related programs, events, and community centers in the neighborhood where you live and can help locate the Pride events closest to you. Even if you don't live or attend a big city Pride like New York or San Francisco, you'd be amazed to discover how many smaller cities and towns partake in the celebration. Simply Google where you live with Pride to find out if your community actively participates. Better still, if you're living in an area that does not celebrate Pride, but you're safely out and super ambitious, consider gathering some people and starting one yourself. Ignorance can only be conquered when people show how LGBTQ issues affects us all, across race, class, age, and the ability spectrum. So get out and show your support. Together, we can put homophobia back in the closet. This has been a Best of the Left activism update. For more information about the link in this segment, please see the show notes at bestoftheleft.com. After a stint in Texas in 1866, U.S. General Philip Sheridan declared, If I owned Texas and hell, I would rent Texas and live in hell. My state has long had image issues, despite it being a great place with great people. A major source of our embarrassment is, of course, our legislature. It has an excuse for its lapses, though, which is that it tends to be led by politicos who suffer a tragic flaw. They're nuts. For example, in the last legislative session, they were so devoted to ideological right-wing loopiness that they left our state in a $27 billion budget hole this session. Thus, our legislators have recently been focused on the most urgent problem facing them. Writing a sound budget for a modern, fast-growing state, you ask? No, no. Arming themselves with guns. These are politicians who are not exactly comfortable with their standing in the community. Texas already has a concealed handgun law, and many legislators are among the 460,000 of our residents secretly licensed to pack heat. 
The problem, say GOP Senators Jeff Wentworth and Dan Patrick, is that current law prohibits licensed gun-toters from taking their weapons into churches, hospitals, bars, sports stadiums, and other venues. That's fine for the common riffraff, say these two gunslinging goobers, but not for us big shots. So they sponsored a bill exempting legislators from the ban. Without debate, and with only six dissenters, the Senate passed the bill, unleashing even the least tightly wrapped of our lawmakers to be armed and dangerous everywhere they go. Are you kidding me, asked an incredulous senator when this special privilege bill first came up? Is this serious? This is Jim Hightower saying, no, it's the Texas legislature. They got their guns, but they never did pass a sound state budget, not by a long shot. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. In January of last year, in January of 2011, there was an assassination attempt on a member of the United States Congress. Congresswoman Gabby Giffords was holding a Meet Your Congresswoman event at a supermarket in Tucson uh, when this mentally ill, heavily armed young man opened fire. Uh, this was the type of weapon he used. It's a Glock 9mm handgun. And the reason it looks like it's kind of a strange shape is because it has an extended magazine that is larger than the gun was designed for. Uh, the standard magazine for this gun would fit right into the handle without hanging out below it like you just saw in that other picture. Uh, the standard magazine I think would hold about 15 bullets. Jared Loeffner had two of those standard sized ammunition clips in his pocket that day at the Safeway in Tucson. But the clip that he had in the gun held double the number of bullets as compared to the standard one. It holds 30 bullets. And that's why Jared Loeffner, last January in Tucson, was able to kill and wound so many people before he was finally stopped. He fired the one bullet that was in the chamber, and then he fired the 30 bullets that were in the extended magazine. It was not until he stopped because he had to reload that somebody was able to tackle him and stop that massacre. In the aftermath of the Gabby Gifford shooting, the country for a second, at least, puzzled over the fact that just a few years earlier, that sort of extended magazine would have been illegal. Under the assault weapons ban that was signed into law in 1994, extended clips were one of the things that was banned. And when George W. Bush let the assault weapons ban expire in 2004, those extended clips became legal again. Now, there's no reason for anybody outside law enforcement to have the capacity to fire their handgun 31 times without reloading. If you have a handgun for self-defense, uh, if you target shoot with it, if you are a sportsman for some kind of handgun hunting, maybe, um, are, are you shooting more than 31 of anything at a time? No. No gun rights hate mailers who I can sense are emailing me right now. It's Rachel at MSNBC.com, by the way. No, you do not need 31 uninterrupted handgun bullets for any legit non-law enforcement use of a handgun. And so in the wake of that massacre in Tucson, it did not seem impossible at least to the Pollyannas among us, it did not seem impossible that that particular detailed gun law, which had expired relatively recently, might be brought back. It would have greatly lessened the harm of that one American gun massacre. There is no compelling reason not to bring it back. Weren't we shocked enough by what happened in Tucson that we could make that one little change? No. No. The proposed legislation by Congresswoman Carolyn McCarthy and Senator Frank Lautenberg to fix that tiny piece of gun law, to fix just the extended magazine ban that elapsed in 2004 and that helped cause so much carnage in Tucson in that Safeway parking lot, that bill went nowhere. In the House, the bill has 111 sponsors. It was referred to the Subcommittee on Crime, Terrorism, and Homeland Security, and it never got a vote. In the Senate, it had 10 co-sponsors. It was referred to committee, but it never got a vote, and that's as far as it went. Since the Tucson shooting, here's what actually has happened in terms of gun laws changing in the United States. 
In Arizona, the state legislature there passed a bill forcing colleges to allow guns on campus, even if the campuses did not want them. Another bill would have said that every public building in Arizona must allow guns inside. And if they don't, they must set up metal detectors and armed guards at the door. Arizona Governor Jan Brewer vetoed those bills. She did, however, sign a new law to make the Colt Single Action Army Revolver Arizona's official state firearm. Around the country, gun laws only go in one direction. In Indiana, a new law says schools, public libraries, public transportation entities, and some local hospital authorities are now prohibited from restricting firearm possession. In Kansas, you can now carry a concealed weapon in or on the grounds of any public or private school property or grounds instructing kindergarten through 12th graders. Utah passed a similar law but decided that kindergarten wasn't quite young enough. The new law in Utah also allows you to bring your gun within a thousand feet of buildings that house, that house preschools and daycare centers. Maine now lets you bring your gun into state parks. Same with North Carolina. North Carolinians may now store their firearms also in their cars, in their parking areas outside the state capitol. North Carolina also made it easier last year for minors to possess handguns. Not minors as in coal miners, but minors as in kids, never too young. Ohio's Republican legislature felt an urgent need to pass a law that allows concealed weapon permit holders to bring their guns into restaurants and arenas and into bars. What could possibly go wrong? Also in Ohio, if you are a person convicted of a drug offense, you no longer have to worry about losing ownership of your gun. You get to keep it. And in Florida, where Trayvon Martin was killed, new laws say concealed weapon permit holders can openly carry firearms. Another new law makes concealed carry records confidential. And county authorities can no longer impose waiting periods on firearms sales. And this is just partial. This is, this is arbitrarily chosen in terms of new gun laws since the Tucson massacre in just a random list of states. Anywhere else you look in the country, it's the same story. People don't write gun laws. The gun lobby does. After the Trayvon Martin shooting on February 26th, the National Rifle Association was still lobbying hard for Minnesota to adopt a law like the Florida Stand Your Ground law that prevented the Trayvon Martin shooter from being arrested. The Democratic governor of Minnesota vetoed it, but that's a bit of a policy miracle. After Governor Jeb Bush signed the first Stand Your Ground bill into law in 2005 in Florida, as you can see here with NRA lobbyist Marion Hammer beaming down over his shoulder as he signed it, Nearly two dozen states have followed with their own laws similar to Florida's. And the NRA now wants there to be a federal law that would force this regulation on states around the country that don't want it. This is generally the way that gun politics works. All the changes in law go in the same direction. All the changes in law go toward more guns in more places and more legal excuses for shooting people. And once one state stakes out what used to be radical ground in terms of clearing the way for more guns and more legal excuses for shootings, as soon as one state clears that ground, like Florida did in 2005, as soon as one state goes there, all of the other states rush toward that newly cleared ground. I was one of the people who thought that after Tucson, we could at least have one tick, one tiny little tick toward regulating just the size of the magazines for ammunition in handguns as a tiny correction for a nation that was legitimately shocked by the horror of what happened in Tucson. I thought that could happen after Tucson. I was wrong. Gun law changes only go in one direction. The Florida State Senate president says now, even in the midst of the national uproar over the Trayvon Martin shooting and the fact that Florida's gun law says that, sh that that shooter can't be arrested, he says that the Florida Senate will not be reviewing the law. Usually on policy issues like this, we say, you know, what would it take? What would it take to make us look at this issue differently? What would it take to shock us out of the pattern that we're in? What would it take to swing the pendulum back now that it has swung so radically far in one direction? What would it take? In the case of gun laws and the gun lobby, we have an answer. It doesn't matter. Anything could happen. It doesn't matter. No matter what happens in the country in terms of gun violence or how we feel about it, there is no outcry loud enough. There is no shock or horror that is too grave. We do not get to make these decisions about our laws in this country. We do not get to make these decisions about laws concerning guns. They do. They're the gun lobby and they decide. At least that's how they want it to be and at least that's how they have had it so far.
A local man is shot with a girly pistol. It's the Onion Radio News. This is Doyle Redland reporting. Local man Marcus Trevano was deeply ashamed today after being shot in the arm with a girly pistol by an unknown assailant. According to Trevano, the ladylike 22 caliber Smith & Wesson might as well have had pink lace on its dainty little handle. It's embarrassing. I could tell the ER doctors were trying not to laugh. Looks like I was shot by someone's grandma. Travano hopes the next time he's shot in the arm, it's with a manly gun that blows his shoulder clean off. Doyle Redland for the Onion Radio News. A man went on a shooting spree in Oakland at a small Christian university. His name is Won L. Go, which is a bizarre name. He's a lot a... of Koreans at this university. Yeah, it's 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 basically a Korean university. Uh, it's, they teach in English and in Korean. Uh, they teach theology and nursing. It's a fascinating combination. He was a nursing student. He's 43 years old. He is a South Korean national. Uh, apparently there was some uh, situation where he was removed from the university he did not like that he came back and started shooting people S at least seven dead many wounded hopefully uh, the wounded survived he went on a shooting spree shot people point-blank in the ch uh, chest and the head uh, and uh, he was of course mentally ill it appears right at the very least given the circumstances that we have here people said he was volatile the students were uh, afraid that he might go into a rage at some point. Sounds like he, he would have been a really good nurse. Yeah, I know, right? I was yeah. thinking about that, like, God, this is the least nurse guy in the world. Yeah, or a philosopher. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he felt that the other students had mistreated and disrespected him. That might be because he was a maniac and they were totally right. Uh, one uh, small part of the story that I have to confess annoyed me. Uh, Deborah Lee, who survived, she was in an English language class, said, I was okay because I know God protects me. Uh, yeah. Thereby, in my opinion, implying that God did not protect her classmates who were shot to death. And it just drove me crazy. It is a, and, and if God is protecting you, why did he send a madman to your campus to shoot at this Christian school? Why didn't he send him to another school? I mean, it's a bizarre way that God has of protecting you. Now, yeah, I mean, I think you've got to give the victims of shooting their moment of... They survived. I know. To, to I know. And, and I'm, I'm being too tough on her. But I know. You know. I, I, of course, you know that I the, the, the objectionable part of what she said, while given understanding of the stress of her moment, is that God protected me because I was a believer. So there's really a contrast drawn for those oh poor seven people at this Christian college. I'm guessing they were all fairly dedicated. Yeah, absolutely. But you really, though, of course, the actual blame. Uh, doesn't lie in God or Satan or anything like that. Obviously, this gentleman is uh, should be prosecuted to the full extent of the law. He wound up turning himself into the police in a, after he went to a supermarket about three miles away from campus. Uh, but the secondary issue here, which I think is in a lot of ways the primary issue, is that we give out guns like it's candy. You know, and I'm not sure we give out candy that readily, right? At least with kids, we're like, hey, be careful with the candy. Here, it's like guns, guns, anybody. You know, you've got mental issues. You're uh, on the terrorist watch list, we don't give a damn. Here's a gun for you. Here's a gun for you. And then when crazy people shoot uh, others and kill them, we're like, "Wow, I didn't see that coming." Well, look, I'm telling you, I see it coming because I see it happen all the time. We cover the news. Guys go on rampages, shoot everybody because we give everybody guns with no decent background checks. Yeah, you know, and and it's a there's been a capitulation by the left on guns, of which you know, to the extent that I'm part of that, I participated in. You know, we were on this show. A number of times conversations you and I had where I said I think my recollection is you largely agreed with me that we were like all right yeah you so care so much about the Second Amendment you can have it just make sure I get the other nine right that's right and look politically speaking it is dangerous territory for the Democrats and of course whenever there is dangerous territory they run for the hills and they've definitely run for the hills here they will propose no legislation on guns they won't come anywhere near it for the foreseeable future and the reason is once when they did, the NRA beat them up and they lost a couple of seats and now it scares them to death. Now, And there are a lot of 
and there are a lot of pro-gun Democrats in Congress, too. Yeah, and that, a lot of guys who also take money from the NRA as oh, yeah, well. Sure. You sure know, they, both of those things sure are true, yeah, yeah. right? And so, look, is it the t number one issue? No. Do I think politically they should emphasize it as the number one issue? No way. Do I, would I make the trade <laughs> to get back the fourth, fifth, eighth amendments, etc.? to give on the second amendment I might still make that trade mm -hmm. so you're right in that we're all culpable in this but you know what overall as a matter of politics I, I, you know where I stand you proceed from strength and all good things will follow so if even if this was a losing issue and I can see pollsters coming in and saying hey Cenk there's no way to win this right I would say we go forward anyway because the more important message is we stand for our beliefs we think this is a bad idea to give out guns like candy, and we need some reasonable regulation. For example, the number of bullets you can have in a magazine, or stricter background checks so that mentally disabled people don't get guns, right? Or guys like this who are unstable, yada, 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 right? I would push forward on that anyway, you know, even if I thought it was a losing issue. One, because it's the right thing to do, but two, also because people respect people. Uh, politicians who actually stand firm. Only reason George W. Bush won any election. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't know. I'm not an expert on gun law at all, but I'm 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 very dubious always. I, I've always been somewhat persuaded by uh, those on the right on the gun lobby who argue that if you the, all these laws do is just make it easier for criminals to have guns and harder for law-abiding citizens to get guns. Like I don't, I, I, I so I sort of. While wanting very much to restrict the flow of guns, it seems to me that you got you got to prevent the manufacture of guns, and that's a whole different. That's yeah, you know, but you know, th I think this is a, a case like be, this, and I don't know, so I could be persuaded otherwise. Yeah, a case like this might actually be a good example uh, against that point, and and the reason is, look, this is not a guy who is a criminal who is going to you know be a, selling drugs and was going to get guns one way or another. He was a mentally unstable guy that, if we did a decent background check, might not have gotten a gun. Yeah, we we don't know where he got the gun, of course, but right, uh, right now, and and we'll, you know, obviously that's a big part of the story. And, and, we'll and you know, in the in Virginia Tech, I think that there was a good case to be made that that guy might not have gotten a gun if we'd done a decent background check. Yeah, it should look, it, but but those laws, are, like when you say reasonable, like we gotta, uh, you know, if we were gonna do it, these laws are gonna be tough. It's gonna become really hard to get a gun. God, like, that would be awesome. Right, and here's why you should fight. <laughs> Continue to fight because uh, you know how old's your son? Oh, he's uh, now getting close to two. Right. So in 16 years, you're going to go away to college. You know, probably community college. You know, um, uh, but, if uh, we're lucky. If we're lucky. You know, look, there are going to be kids going in 16 years. Like it's going to take a long time. This is a you know, and the work that uh, that Sarah and Jim Brady did is it matters. It was and it's generational. So we're not going to get serious gun laws passed. That's why you don't quit fighting. Like we've moved the process back because we abdicated that struggle. But you know, so you start over and maybe in 2040, there's some reasonable gun laws. And guess what? There'll be 18 year olds in college then. I had a dream last night. I dreamt that I was swimming and the stars up above. Direction, I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as $5 a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Earlier this month, Wisconsin had a case similar to Trayvon Martin's. It involved a 20-year-old black kid named Bo Morrison in Slinger, Wisconsin. Morrison was at a party at 1 in the morning on March 3rd when a neighbor, Adam Kind, went over and told the partiers to turn the volume down. He got a hostile response, so we called the cops. They showed up and tried to bust the party, but made no arrests. A little while later, with the party still going on, the homeowner then told the kids to take off and that the police had the place surrounded, according to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Bo Morrison did take off, but he made the fatal mistake of trying to hide on the porch of Adam Kind. 
Even though the police had been called back and were only 300 feet away, evidently, Kine grabbed his Colt 45 and shot Morrison dead, the Journal Sentinel reported. And under the Castle Doctrine, a new law that Governor Scott Walker signed in December, a homeowner is authorized to use lethal force if someone is entering their property and they feel threatened. So the DA declined to charge Kind with any crime. That's where we are in America these days, with castle doctrines and stand-your-ground laws on the books in at least 20 states. These are licenses to kill, and people are using them. I'm Matt Rothschild, and that's how I see it. If the tiger shall protect her young And tell me how did you slip by All my instincts have failed me for one I must have somehow slept the whole night And I am dreaming of them with their kill to bring this up with you because of course for those who don't know uh readers of the daily caller have the opportunity to win a uh a handgun uh they're giving out i guess it's a uh, a handgun a week until election day i, I don't know I, because i guess um maybe they got a deal on handguns as opposed to tote bags or swag you know, we give out DVDs on this program, uh, but a handgun, you know, a DVD, you watch it once, a handgun, you could shoot people forever. Exactly. Think of all the, the many people you can shoot. And, and being that the, the, the National Rifle Association just came out with a new, I'm not, I'm not even kidding about this, insurance policy I tweeted out today, <laughs> which if you stand your ground and you defend yourself, uh, if you're willing to buy this insurance policy, they will cover all your legal fees for standing your ground. So, wait a second, are you serious? Shoot, oh, I'm dead serious, and dead is the right word. I tweeted it out today. I'll, I'll retweet it uh, after we're done. But uh, you know, just in case uh, you feel the need to shoot another unarmed black teenager carrying skittles, you now have the you can rest at peace, have the sort of peace of mind that the NRA will cover cover your legal bills when they come after you. And and uh, the family sues you in civil court, at the very least, if you're not arrested and tried. So that's good to know. That is so yeah, no, stunning. Seriously. I mean, it's so stunning. And, and, and frankly, you know, I hope, um, you know, uh, I hope there's some tort lawyers out there saying, great, now we've got some deep pockets to go after. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would love I to think- see uh, the NRA get, get, get slapped with a huge, huge, I mean, you know, that's just I can't. I, it's just beyond belief. Don't worry about yeah, stand your ground, folks, because we got your back. I mean, with money. That's that's part of the sickness of this. Then uh, the Daily Caller, the firearms manufacturer's name is Jim Pontillo, um, who is who is the one who they're getting these guns from. And I would bet, obviously, he's closely connected to the NRA. I'll explain all that to you in a second. But. Um, he, he, this, this gentleman, if I can call him that, I probably shouldn't give him that kind of credit for being a human, uh, but he responded to President Obama by saying he will never be president of the United States. That job requires he represents all Americans, not just angry black ones. Um, he has called for potential revolution in this country, armed against liberals, armed resistance to democratic government into integral to the American DNA. I can't imagine how much, this is a quote from, I can't imagine how much more insult the American people are willing to endure under the enterprises of ambition by our politicians. But I do know gun ownership and an understanding of the American founder's vision will have a positive effect and we can subdue overzealous and prejudicial government officials, blah, blah. I mean, whatever, I keep going on forever. The point is the guy is one of these nuts who believes in in all the... the, uh, the sort of Timothy McVeigh-like fantasies of attacking our government and is obviously racist. And this is beyond the fact that it's terrible enough that the Daily Caller thinks that, that it's an interesting marketing gimmick to, to hand out handguns for anybody that will read their stupid and pathetic site. Uh, in addition to that, they are, they are raising this gentleman up. And, and, uh, and, and there's, something, there's something particularly uh, nauseating about the idea. I mean, look, you know, I guess if the Daily Caller said, we're going to give out a gun a week for a year, but to do it in the run-up to the election, 
there's just something particularly nauseating about that. I mean, the whole concept is ridiculous, but to do it in the run up to the election, I, I just what's the, uh, there's a there's another there's another subtext there that I quite I can't quite get my arms around, but I guess maybe I I am aware of it. Um, but you know, no, no, there's no doubt there is there. There's implications there, and and they have the Second Amendment uh, engraved or the Bill of Rights, I guess, on the side of the gun. Um, even though they don't, they don't, they have no idea what the Second Amendment means from any historical perspective. We're actually reading words like "well-regulated militia," but I won't get into all that again on this show. Um, here's here's what's funny, uh, ironic, I guess you can call it that. Um, Chris Cox, who's a top lobbyist of the NRA and one of their chief bullshitters, who just kind of makes things up, uh, wrote a piece. Uh, this is back last September for the Daily Caller. Saying uh, how uh, you know, basically arguing in favor of concealed carry reciprocity, which would mean that that New York, for example, would have to respect concealed carry laws of Alaska, which or you know Utah, which essentially you can be drunk, blind, uh, have a history of domestic violence. And I'm not making any of this up, by the way. You don't need any training with a gun or whatever to get a concealed carry permit because states have very different standards, and New York has among the toughest standards to get one. Um, and they're trying to pass this through, even though. They apparently they claim they love states' rights, but they only love states' rights when it's useful to like states' rights. They want their view. So I responded, and I responded at the Daily Caller, um, and wrote a piece just ripping Chris, Chris Cox to shreds in December. And and the irony of it, or, or I'm sorry, in September. And I think the irony of it is I think I may have helped out the Daily Caller and the NRA because I don't. I know this from talking to people behind the scenes that they didn't like the idea that on the pages of the Daily Caller they were made to look stupid. So suddenly in last December, there was this agreement with the NRA, and again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn here, I just find this all kind of interesting, uh, agreement with the NRA uh, to, to have a guns and gear page so the NRA would sponsor them and pump money to the Daily Caller uh, to do this. And this is an extension of that. And so I think in a, in, a, in a way I may have contributed to this, although it tells you that the NRA is scared about the press they're getting and the fact that if, if people are allowed to actually air their opinions and write uh, in response to what they write, it will uh, show people how insane and full of crap they are so that they, they need to buy everybody off. And I think that's what they went and did because nobody will let me write another piece of the Daily Caller responding to the NRA. Well, so I'll tell you, you go, Cliff, Sam. if you're responsible for this, then I think really the, the manly thing for you to do would be to um, to underwrite the giving out of bulletproof vests on a weekly <laughs> basis uh, from the election via the majority report. We will give out to a listener a bulletproof vest a week to counter the Daily Caller's handguns uh, that are going out. But, of course, you're going to have to underwrite that. It's a little difficult for me right now financially, but uh, I may look into to a little bit of underwriting if it may be one or two. Perhaps. Or what about like uh, those Wonder the, Woman uh, arm bracelets? You know, those, those 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 old Wonder Woman arm bracelets that can deflect uh, bullets, and you know, people will have to rely on their own uh, skills uh, to deflect. Well, even better, like the Wonder Woman uh, invisible airplane. Yeah, so well, let's not get carried away. You can just get on that, and no one will see you. But the they're shipping. coming after you with a gun. If you, let's say, you happen to be eating Skittles, and somebody got a gun from the Daily Caller, or from a, a gun manufacturer tied to the NRA, who thinks Obama only represents angry black people, uh, then you can climb onto your trusty uh, uh, Wonder Woman plane and disappear. Yeah, the the shipping and handling on a on a jet like that would be just that would break us. Okay, what what do you think is the best thing, the thing about the show that is best and most appealing to to somebody who listens or watches? Because we cover everything and we do it well. <laughs> Why do you think people watch the show? I think that it's a completely different angle. I don't think it's about being expansive or up to date. I think it's 99% of media that's out there is giving one story, it's giving a particular point of view, and it's also not covering certain stories. So I don't know that it's about being up-to-date or expansive. I think it's, it's a well, non- Well, that's what I said. We cover everything. We don't cover everything, Willis. How can we cover everything? We cover eight to ten stories. Everything important, pretty much. Well, if that doesn't make you curious, I don't know what will. Check out The David Pakman Show at davidpakman.com.
In the great state of Alaska, there is a large island southwest of Anchorage off the coast of Homer, Alaska. It's called Kodiak Island. And on Kodiak, there is a Coast Guard station on the eastern side of the island. Yesterday, a retired Coast Guard chief petty officer and a currently serving Coast Guard petty officer first class were found dead at a Coast Guard communication station on Kodiak, where they both worked monitoring radio traffic. The FBI is responding. They are treating this as a double homicide of these Coast Guard members. Nobody is in custody. Both of these men were shot to death. Last night in Brooklyn, Ohio, near Cleveland, 911 dispatchers took a call from a woman at a Cracker Barrel restaurant saying that she had informed her husband that she was leaving him and he, quote, was not taking it well. Please, could somebody respond to the Cracker Barrel to help? By the time police arrived, the woman had been shot dead, as had one of her 10-year-old daughters, whose birthday it was that day. The girl's sister, a second daughter, was shot as well, critically injured, and a man with a gun was leaving the restaurant. The man did not surrender his weapon, and police killed him. Also yesterday in California, in Modesto, California, Stanislaus County Sheriff's deputies tried to serve an eviction notice. They were met with gunfire. One of the deputies was killed, as was a civilian on the scene. Last night in Greenland, New Hampshire, five police officers were shot, including the local police chief who was killed, just eight days short of his planned retirement. After shooting the five officers, a 29-year-old local man then shot and killed his ex-girlfriend and shot and killed himself. Early this morning in Chicopee, Massachusetts, out in the western part of the state, a state trooper was shot and wounded, and the suspect in the case was killed. According to an account in the Springfield Republican newspaper, neighbor Joseph Kaczynski says he saw a man flee the building with car keys in his hand, saying, get away from me. Seconds later, he saw a gun barrel from a window and a shot whizzed out above his head. Quote, then there were bullets everywhere. It was like Iraq. Kaczynski saw a state trooper approach the West Street house and get shot. Quote, I saw him take a bullet. And today, an Orange County, California judge ordered portions of the grand jury testimony released in the case of a 42-year-old man who had strapped on three guns, extra ammunition, and a bulletproof vest, and then went into a Seal Beach, California hair salon, where he shot and killed his ex-wife and seven other people. The salon owner was carrying only a pair of scissors. As he saw the gunman coming and approached the door of the salon, he was the first to be shot dead, then the gunman's ex-wife, and then one, two, three, four, five more people, all shot dead in the hair salon. Then the gunman turned around and left and randomly decided to shoot and kill a man just sitting in his car in the parking lot as well. Eight people dead in what law enforcement officials say was approximately two minutes elapsed. In court today in Tulsa, hate crimes and murder charges were filed against these two men who went driving around Tulsa, Oklahoma last week, allegedly choosing African-American men at random to shoot and kill. They shot and killed three men and wounded two others. Yesterday in the city of St. Louis, prosecutors charged a 21-year-old man for leaving behind a, quote, trail of mayhem across St. Louis Wednesday afternoon. After some sort of argument, the man allegedly shot two young men on the street at point-blank range. He shot one man in the arm and another directly in the chest before pulling a gun on a St. Louis police officer. Two days before that, also in St. Louis, a 24-year-old man was shot to death while sitting in his car. Witnesses say they saw an armed gunman just walk up to the car, fire several shots inside, and then take off. When police arrived on the scene, they found more than 20 bullet casings scattered on the street near the vehicle. St. Louis is a city, frankly, that has been racked by gun violence recently. Even if we just stay there, there's more. Early Sunday morning, a 49-year-old woman was walking along the street. On the north side of St. Louis, police say a man approached the woman, fired several shots at her, and then fled the scene, leaving her in serious condition. A few days before that, three St. Louis teenagers were shot as they were walking through the parking lot of a local church church's chicken restaurant. Fifty St. Louis police officers responded to those shootings, but there's still no suspect. A few days before that, St. Louis homicide detectives were called to the scene of a shooting in North St. Louis. A 25-year-old man named Mario Moore was shot in the back. He later died from his injuries at a local hospital. Two days before that, in the same neighborhood, local residents called the police when they heard roughly six gunshots ring out at around 7 o'clock that night. Neighbors say they saw a man pull into a driveway, get out of his car, whereupon he was shot in the chest, suffering wounds that proved to be fatal. Gun violence has gotten so bad in the city of St. Louis, Missouri, that a number of local groups got together last week to call for a gun violence summit to be held in the city between local law enforcement officials and community groups. And it was there in the city of St. Louis today where the National Rifle Association officially kicked off its annual convention, the nation's leading gun lobby. 
The main featured speaker at today's NRA convention was presumptive Republican presidential nominee Mitt Romney. Mr. Romney, frankly, has been all over the map on gun issues during his career in politics, but the latest version of Mitt Romney proclaims himself to be a lifelong member of the NRA. Mr. Romney essentially just gave his stump speech at the NRA convention today, but he it, it did add in a few lines about guns. And frankly, what he added in about guns uh, was a really hard to understand few lines. We need a president who will enforce current laws, not create new ones that only serve to burden lawful gun owners. President Obama has not. I will. Okay, in order, to in order to understand just what Mitt Romney was trying to say today about guns, it's a very important issue in our polity, right? In order to understand what he's saying here, you actually sort of have to diagram his sentences. I mean, take that line, that line we just played. We need a president who will enforce current laws. We need a president who will enforce current laws. Okay, so far, so good. But then the next thing he says? Not create new ones that only serve to burden lawful gun owners. President Obama has not. I will. President Obama has not what? President Obama has not enforced current laws? Or are you talking about the second part of what you said? President Obama has not created new laws. I mean, technically, Mr. Romney is saying that President Obama has not not created new laws. It is kind of hard to understand the dangling negative. I think what Mitt Romney is trying to give the impression of is that President Obama has created new restrict restrictive gun laws. He has created new laws. But which ones exactly? We need a president who will stand up for the rights of hunters and sportsmen and those who seek to protect their homes and their families. President Obama has not. How has President Obama not done that exactly? What has he done to not stand for the rights of those people? What are you accusing him of? If we're going to safeguard our Second Amendment, it's time to elect a president who will defend the rights President Obama ignores or minimizes. What has President Obama been ignoring or minimizing and how? Really? I mean, what, what is the accusation here? Do you want him to be overtly doing something that he is not doing? You are damning President Obama for doing what about guns exactly? We've all seen enough of President Obama over the last three years to know that we don't want another four. What is it about him that you are unhappy with on guns in particular? What is the basis of the complaint here? We reached out to the Romney campaign today to ask which specific new gun laws President Obama has passed that Governor Romney was describing today. They have so far not given us any answer. Hope springs eternal, though. It uh, should be noted, after, after those were his lines on guns in the speech, and after that little mystifying map of vagueness today about guns, finally, uh, Mitt Romney got to the punchline part of his speech. Listen. In a second term, he'd be unrestrained by the demands of re-election. Ah, I see. That, see, that, that's what this is all about. President Obama hasn't done anything now, but he has a secret plan to take away everybody's guns in the next term. A secret plan that he's not pursuing now. But he will pursue that secret plan if he wins a second term. That is what gun politics are like right now. It's this phantom stuff about how President Obama has a secret plan to take away your guns. And you can tell he has a secret plan to take away your guns because he hasn't yet taken away your guns, don't you see? But still, you need to stop him from doing this thing that he has not done. That's what our gun politics are all about right now, rather than anything to do with what is actually going on in the country about guns. And there is something actually going on in the country about guns. We do actually have a real gun violence problem in this country. Literally, in the streets of St. Louis, just outside of where the NRA was meeting today, there is a crisis, if you ask St. Louis. And it was the same thing last year. Last year, the NRA convention was held where? In the city of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, a city with neighborhoods like Homewood that are absolutely torn apart by gun violence. And while the lobby that determines our gun laws in this country plays fantasy politics about policies that don't exist and secret plans, the consequences of that being what determines our gun policies plays out right on the streets around them in flesh and blood.
is the Onion News Network, controlling what you see and when you see it. Residents of Granton, Kansas are breathing a sigh of relief after a heroic student stopped a potential school shooting this afternoon. Onion News Network reporter Jeremy Lee is standing by live outside Roosevelt High School with more. Jeremy, tell us what happened. Well, Brooke, school officials are reporting that sophomore Will Tracy had few friends, dressed in black, listened to strange music, and drew disturbing artwork on his notebooks. Luckily, before he could orchestrate a school shooting or obtain a gun, he was shot and killed by Trevor Wilson, a high school football star and last year's junior prom king. Thank God. I understand this happened in the lunchroom. Yes. According to witnesses, Will walked into the campus cafeteria and sat down alone to begin eating his lunch. Chilling. Yes. And it was at that very crucial moment that Trevor Wilson took control of the situation and removed a handgun from his jacket and fired three times into Will. How brave. Yes, Brooke. And rather than seeking shelter or calling for help, Trevor then fearlessly walked over to Will's body and then fired nine times into his neck and chest. Incredibly brave, facing down someone who could have easily become unhinged and violent at some point in the future. Yes. Now we have a camera phone video of the harrowing incident taken by a student. Let's go ahead and take a look at that. Oh my God, someone's shooting! Oh my God, Trevor Wilson? Oh my God, he's so cute holding that gun. Trevor, wait! Thank goodness someone like Trevor was on hand to subdue Will. It sounds like Will was a real outcast. Yes, Will had reportedly been posting on an internet message board about quote-unquote stopping some of his classmates. Uh, in other words, he was a ticking time bomb. That's right. Uh-huh. Trevor made this statement to the press earlier today. I was just thinking, don't stop. Punish this freak. Punish him more and show everyone your true power. Brooke, uh, Brooke, we're getting word that, that Trevor has actually taken out four more potential shooters, including two band members in the Fattest Kid in School. Oh my God, is it? Just incredible. It's good to see young people out there following through with something. Another Stand Your Ground story out of Arizona where an unarmed pedestrian was shot to death by a man in a car who was obviously armed. Uh, this story is ridiculous. I think it's even more egregious than the Trayvon Martin story because I don't think that anyone can make an argument that there was self-defense in self involved. Now, we have a local news report that goes into the detail of the altercation that took place prior to the shooting. Let's watch. I'll never see my brother again. Her brother, Daniel Atkins, shot to death at this Taco Bell near 51st Avenue and Baseline. Atkins walking his yellow lab named Lady towards Taco Bell when police say he got into an argument with the man pulling out of the drive-thru. I just think he was just too aggressive. My son does have a big mouth. He will, he will say something. But the family feels a verbal argument and Atkins throwing a punch does not justify murder. So the victim here was unarmed, okay? In fact, when police arrived to the scene, they searched him. They didn't find a bat or a pipe. They found nothing on him. As now, I mentioned, the shooter was in his car. Now, the guy who had shot him said, look, I had an eight-month-old uh, pregnant uh, you know, girlfriend with me. I was worried about her safety. I was worried about my own safety. And, uh, and he had a bat or a pipe. But if he had a bat or a pipe, you'd have found it. And not only was there not a scratch on the guy, there was not a scratch on the car. So if he had anything and magically got rid of it before he was shot, well, wouldn't you have seen some sort of damage to him or the car? But it's so ridiculous that the cops, because of the stand your ground defense, couldn't even bring the guy in for questioning. Now, it's again their interpretation of the law. I don't, I don't agree with the law. I don't even agree with their interpretation of the law. But it inhibits the investigation completely because then the guy has an opportunity to go home, make up a story, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Whereas if you had brought him in and questioned him and you'd done regular police work, 
you might have found out inconsistencies in his story, etc. It might be easier to prosecute. Now we don't know if they're ever going to prosecute him. And to me, this is absolutely clear. There is in no way lethal force that he had to counter with self-defense. You see what I'm saying? Like, he even said at one point, uh, the guy who did the shooting, said, well, I didn't think he was going to kill me, but I thought maybe he could do me some more harm. So is that the new standard? And he, remember, they let him go. Okay, still not arrested, right? And this happened on April 3rd, by the way, and he's still free. Okay, so it's been nearly two months now. So, so that's the new standard? If you go and start a fight with a gun, another guy doesn't have a gun, if you think that he's in any way a harm to you, that he might push you or he might touch you, you just shoot him in the head and be like, well, that's it, stand your ground. I'm okay. So now, of course, NRA loves this because in a world that crazy with those laws, well, you have to get a gun. If you don't get a gun, you have no rights. The guy with the gun has all the rights. The guy with the no gun has no rights, right? And if you shoot him dead, then you've got even more rights. Because remember the lady who didn't shoot her husband dead, she shot into the ceiling, she couldn't use stand your ground, right? But if she had killed him there, well, then there's no one to dispute it, and it, you have to take the guy's word for it. Because the way the law is written, especially here in Arizona, is that uh, they say if there's no evidence to rebut that guy's case of self-defense, his argument for self-defense, then you have to believe him. Well, that's crazy. It's the most ridiculous law I, I could ever imagine. And because there are currently 21 states that have the same law, but you know, different uh, it's variations. Written, variations, exactly. So uh, you have to, the guy who is dead is assumed guilty unless proven innocent, although you would never really get a chance to prove him innocent because you're never going to have a trial because the guy said, well, I had to shoot him, so you have to take my word for it. Even if there's no weapon on the guy, even if there's nothing, there's not a scratch on the guy who used self-defense. Doesn't matter. You have to believe it. This is madness. And and by the way, this you know is interesting because the races are flipped here. So this is not a case of racial discrimination or anything like that. And I think that it goes to show how horrible stand your ground is under any and all circumstances. You can put any race you like on it. It doesn't really matter. What matters the most is whether you have a gun or you don't have a gun. You got a gun, you can do anything you like, kill anyone you like. You don't have a gun, well, you got no rights. Look, one last thing on this, think about it this way. You wanna go murder someone? You just grab a gun and pick a fight with them. The minute that they fight back, or even if they don't fight back, you shoot them, and then you say, oh, he fought back. That's it, I stood my ground. How easy is it to murder people now in Arizona, Florida, and those 21 other states? Painfully easy. But you're totally right about the NRA. They support laws like this because it gives you an incentive to buy a gun. They want to arm every single person in this country. And they want people to live in fear of someone killing them, uh, someone shooting a family member, and never paying any consequences for it. Yeah. We are moving backwards in society when it comes to guns. And we're so obsessed with guns that we let it happen, that we're totally okay with it. No, 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 we gotta deregulate, deregulate, it doesn't matter. Everyone should have a gun. Why, so we can live in a society based on fear? Why are people in favor of that? Thanks for listening, everyone. So today is an interesting day. I'm in Rhode Island. Uh, Netroots Nation starts sort of tonight, but mostly officially tomorrow on Thursday, uh, June the 7th. And uh, this, is, this is really late notice, but this is a call to action. And it is late notice because we just thought of it. So Netroots is really like there's no better place that any of us can think of to get people's attention regarding our blue media. So if you've been listening for, you know, any amount of time, you've probably heard me talk about this. Uh, our blue media is going to absolutely revolutionize the way independent progressive media gets funded through, uh, you know, donations and, you know, recurring uh, membership donations from the supporters of media itself. That's how this show survives. It's, it's basically how all of shows, all, all of the shows like mine survive. And so between the David Pakman show, uh, the Young Turks and myself in, in partnership, we, we have a, a fourth partner, Molly Haig. 
between the four of us, we are launching a new company that is going to duplicate all of the functionality that PayPal uh, gives us that, you know, that's what everyone uses now, but we're going to do it better. And we're going to add a bunch of fun functionality on top of it that is uh, that will really cater directly to progressive media and our exacting needs for it, I guess. Um, so it's going to be fantastic. Everyone who hears about it loses their mind. We ran a fundraiser for a month. We, we raised $19,500, um, you know, at an, at an average of about $100 per person who donated. So, you know, everyone who decided to donate, you know, really, really uh, kicked in some money to help make this happen. So Netroots Nation is, is, it's going to be full of the exact type of people who are going to love this idea the moment they hear about it. They either create media or support media or both. And the only thing standing between them and loving our blue media is finding out about it. And so uh, between David, uh, the Young Turks and I, we just kind of finalized our plan for how to get the word out at Netroots over the next three days. And we want to recruit you and any help that you can give online, or if you happen to be in person, uh, even better. Um, if you're going to be at Netroots, definitely get in touch. We will recruit you right away and give you flyers to hand out and, you know, just encourage you to talk to people about it and uh, the website to link to and all of those things. But online, for everyone else who, who won't be here, we're going to be pushing out as much information about our blue media as we can to try to entice people to check it out. And of course, to get people's attention at Netroots, you simply have to tag the, the official Netroots, uh, like Twitter hashtag is NN12, as in Netroots Nation 12. So if you like the concept of our blue media, if you want to help, uh, you know, push the word out so that more people find out about it, this is the, the week and weekend to talk about it. Just mention it on Facebook, mention it on Twitter, uh, follow, follow us as we live tweet uh, the event. Our Blue Media has a Facebook page and a Twitter page and a Donate Your Account account. You can uh, get plugged into all of those. And then, of course, Best of the Left, the Young Turks and David Pakman all have Twitter feeds and, and Facebooks and everything. We're going to be talking about Our Blue Media a lot, and if you can help spread the word and create sort of an echo of, of what we put out there, then that will get more people seeing it, hearing about it, wondering like, hey, I keep, I keep seeing our blue media. It keeps popping up online. It keeps, you know, it comes in my Twitter feed. And, you know, what is this thing? And so at this point, if you go to ourbluemedia.com, there is now a landing page, a very beautifully designed landing page uh, that is in place specifically so that people can just put in an email address so that they can be informed when the website actually goes live or gets close to going live uh, in a few weeks or a couple of months. So that is our, our number one goal is to get as many of these, you know, prominent bloggers and influence peddlers who are going to be at Netroots to be aware of this thing so that they can help spread the word themselves and so on and so on. It's a very uh, virtuous cycle, as I'm sure you can imagine. So for me personally, my goal for this conference, if nothing else happens, I will be happy if at some point I have a conversation with some person who says, hey man, have, have you ever heard of this uh, Our Blue Media thing? It sounds interesting. If anyone ever says that to me, I'll, I will take that as an absolute win. So help make that happen by uh, helping create an echo through social media online in addition to sending out standard messages like you know through Twitter. If you know of people, you you know you know some prominent uh, media figures, especially if they're going to be at Netroots, send the messages you know directly to them. You know at mention them and uh, and you know let them know like hey there's this thing I know about it I love it maybe you even supported it and say like hey this thing is happening you should be aware of this and link to ourbluemedia.com. Every little bit helps. It, you know people really pay attention to stuff like that. If uh, if you know. If a person at, at this conference sees Our Blue Media more than twice and they have people encouraging them to check it out, they will definitely check it out. And if uh, if past is any prelude, every time someone checks out Our Blue Media and understands what it is, they love it and they thank the person who turned them on to it. 
So to whatever degree you can be helpful uh, towards that, this is uh, the last message I'm going to be able to send during the conference. And as I said, it's a late notice, but we just sort of uh, finalized this idea and, and came up with it very recently. So thanks to everyone in advance for any effort you put into that. I promise you it really will help. And that's going to be it for today. Thanks to everyone who supports this show by becoming a member or donor. That is uh, how the show survives, as I say. Stay tuned into the show between episodes by joining with us on Facebook and Twitter. And for details on the show itself, including links to all the sources and music used in this and every episode, all that information is always posted in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you every third day thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com black and white you took a picture that wasn't right